0: Seriously? God damn it. Break down like this. Down like, this. Down like this. Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, episode 53, brought to you by acmescience.com. On this week's episode, I and a couple of guests get something off of our chests, and we talk about John von Neumann. Really, he's quite amazing. Well, here we go. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that comes to you From a room with a Ninja Turtles talking to Natalie Portman art print. Yeah, it's
1: true. It's true.
0: Uh, You have... Oh, man. Shake's head.
1: (laughs) Okay. Face palm.
0: Uh, So, I have assholes on here with me, uh, as I always do. (laughs) I I really wanted to get right into the swearing this week. I I, I got the feeling I I recorded an episode of Math Mass with... uh, (laughs) Peter earlier today, managed to sneak one snare wood snare snare? Snare? Snare. Swear word in there. I was oh, okay. I was, yeah, one swear word and a little bit of snare. You know, a little bit of the bump, but the bump. Or no, that sounds more like a tom. Yeah, there there you go. That that was that was much more of a snare. Uh and in general, I was very angry and snarky and kind of mean. I felt really bad for Peter because I just would either make fun of whatever he brought up or just kind of yell about it in a general way. And, <laughs> and generally, I try to actually engage um, engage with him and talk about the actual things that, articles that we're speaking on. But not this, not this past week. I don't know why. I've had in general a pretty good week. Uh, but these assholes I was talking about who I have in front of me, who I get to call assholes because this is my podcast with an explicit tag that we fucking earn. I have the massacre man himself the one we don't care about, Brandon
2: Metz. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, I, I really had to. It's, he's not here. He fucking bailed on us. So He's a pussy. Nah. Yeah. He's a little bitch. It's okay. You can call him it. <laughs> and then uh, the one person who won't help us get any more explicit because the fucker doesn't swear. He's a bitch, too. <laughs> the man who just had every single hair on his body trimmed... Oh man. Seventy-five percent Cody Palmer.
1: That that might end up being an urban legend, but uh, no, I did I did get my hair.
0: And he lost ten pounds doing it. He's a very suit, man. Well, I you know,
1: I once you get the haircut, because I don't let anybody else trim a beard, but once you get the haircut, it's like your shadow in the sun just kind of looks funny because like your head is all normal shape, but down at the bottom it's all like
2: I wouldn't know. I don't know about that. not And so I had
1: like to. Sam. I had to trim it down, and it was very. I mean, it's like it's like a bonsai, really. When you trim your beard, it's it's very every.
2: Do you have every, to fertilize it because I mean, that's what you do with a bonsai tree too. Uh, I mean, I and, need and, help fertilizing, and I can I can accommodate.
0: And, and also, uh, watering by putting <clears throat> small ice cubes on on the base of the bonsai.
1: Yes. Uh, and you know the, the thing is my beard is thick enough that I can put little ice cubes in there um, also store snacks
0: they don't call the soup catcher for nothing have you had a bonsai I have a bonsai yeah. oh you do right now man I was I'm so I'm not a fertilizer though oh and I never was either but mine sadly passed when I, w- I had to transport it because I was moving and alive. they do not take uh, it ended up getting shoved in by someone who was not me someone grabbed yeah, it yeah I,
2: t- I carried mine on from Pennsylvania
0: yeah, this was a much smaller. It was from Niagara, Wisconsin to Green Bay, Wisconsin, about two hours, and someone had just put it in an area that I didn't realize was precarious, and it Jack fell. Asses. I know it's like a forty dollar tree. Yeah. Yeah. And and
1: so Punching this is why I don't let anybody trim my beard. It's the same thing, like like bonsais. And, yeah, but what about and the and rest of your very
0: pursuit body?
1: Um, well, actually, my. <laughs> Uh, well, careful! Okay, careful! Take a look. Take a Care- look. Oh no,
0: Cody! <laughs> put your shirt back on.
1: There's not that much chest hair, Cody. Not that much chest hair. All
0: right. Oh. Uh, just, just in order to make sure that he's not lying, I am now uh, taking a photo. Cody, the, what uh, is uh, that, for the Cody? Even uh, I
2: have more chest hair than yes, you, Cody. Yes. We
0: we we Palmers.
2: Oh God, I, Sam has nothing. <laughs>
0: no, I, you have like two hairs. My, I can't pull my shirt down. I'm,
2: why are we doing this, Sam? I think I, You want some of mine? I can just give you some if you want to tape them on. No, here, here you go. Oh my God. Okay. okay, okay. Now that was a sight that I will never be able to get out of my mind. Why are we doing this? I mean, what bro. is the subject today, Sam? What is the subject? Please tell me it's not you shirtless, because I will shoot myself right now.
0: I uh, I I do want to point out that I'm a little bit sweaty right now, and so I am about uh. to take off my shirt and my pants. I'm doing this episode in my boxers, so everyone, I sound just or I look just as good as my voice sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I, I'm not joking at all here. My voice, you know that that really resonant and very well uh, projected. Annoying buzzing sound in your in your ears right now. I look that good.
1: I'm pretty sure I. If you took off your pants, I would start hemorrhaging <laughs> from every orifice in my
0: body. Just I know at least one you would.
2: Definitely
0: my eyes. Okay, body. change subject. Change subject. <laughs> you ever see you, you, I, you remember? Cody dreams
1: about me. Remember
2: Raiders of the Lost Ark? It's gonna be like that, and we're gonna be the Nazis. Like,
1: it's
0: all sperm.
1: I had. I had. <laughs> I ha- actually, actually, I should say this. I did have a dream about Brandon and one that you weren't in the other day. What was, was it about? Me and Brandon were in the mall when yeah, the power interesting went story. out. Like, and uh, this is jackass. We went, what he does. We went running out of the mall. and Well, I was like, we need running. to get... <laughs> no, I was like... R-. So the no. power's out in the mall. It's dark. And, and so we're like, okay, we need to get out. And I was like, well, let's head for the exits before everybody else starts getting out here. So we get out. And I see the bus waiting at the, at the bus stop. The school and bus? No, no. Bluebird school bus, the snub-nosed No, the, the cat uh, bus. okay. Uh, the deuce in particular, the double-decker. <laughs> the deuce. Um, I hate the deuce. And uh, so I, I, I go, oh, we need to get to the bus. And so I go running into the bus, leaving Brandon behind. I jump on the bus, and the bus gets going, and Brandon misses it. Um, Thanks, Jackass. And then either before or after that, me, him, and Juan had signed up for uh, like two-hand touch or
0: um, uh, flag? a flag football, something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, I want to point out that at least you appeared in the dreams he has about you. In the dreams he has about me, I don't appear and he has to do something Involving like my job No, no that, Well, you know that, what? No, that sounds about right Because I that, mean
2: I couldn't imagine You appearing in my dream That way We had Scarred me for life are, Dude, you Now that you've seen this I do not need to see that <laughs> <laughs> you, remind oh. a, you remind me of A certain older professor That likes to Oh God He's doing it again
0: Oh, oh! This episode is going great, everyone. Remember, this is combinations and permutations. Now, uh, keep talking about yourself. I need to check something uh, involving the show that I can't do. Yeah, long thank God so we don't have to well, see I, anything more. I, about I, I
1: actually, I, I should mention this. I have had dreams with Sam actually in them. Just, yeah, I only a knew little a two too and often. I didn't actually appear in those. Well, there was the one where we were giving the talk together. I didn't think I appeared in that. Well, you were in there, but there was some crazy person like dead on the stage or something. Cody, uh, so,
0: I think this is a, this this is another dream that you haven't told me about. So yeah. I'm pretty sure you told me about the one where I hadn't given you the slide deck. <laughs> uh, slide think, deck. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Uh,
1: there's some. I mean, it's every night is an adventure for me when it comes to my dreams. You tr- your mind is truly a scary. Place. Well, inter- interestingly enough, it, it's it's good because if um, my dreams are weird enough that there's a lot of cues in there that can let me know that I'm dreaming, which could put me in a lucid dreaming state um i just have if to if you can recognize them. yeah it. that's the key thing is being able to to recognize them and and that involves keeping a dream <laughs> journal which is way more work i, I mean i don't want to have to write this stuff down uh, I mean, I'm I co- think you probably should. Cause I, it mean, talking, like you might I mean, we're talking. I because good. I think we might need it when we commit you. Yeah, the amount, ima- well, the amount of. D- I was actually dream- thinking,
0: like, just using it to write short stories.
1: Well, the amount of dream that I get in the first couple hours in the morning is quite, oh, yeah. is quite amazing. And so, I mean, if I were to first wake up in the morning and start writing about my dreams, I mean, we're talking pages here, even pages at a time.
0: Even right away in the morning, I can't remember anything. I'm not a no, dream rememberer. I'm
1: good. It's very vivid for about the first twenty minutes. And then, uh, and then it'll slowly start slipping throughout the day. Okay, so
0: I brought up what I needed to. Uh, if everyone who was listening last week, I hope you're still listening after that show. Uh, I, I mentioned that anyone who left us an iTunes review would get their name read out. Well, it turns out we had two iTunes reviews when I released that episode. And we have two iTunes reviews now. So get off your fucking ass and write one, people. Yeah. Jerks. Uh, really, they're jerks. They should have, hey, come on. I know that a bunch of you download from iTunes. I have the stats. I also know that there's plenty of you listening to See, this. See, it's
2: actually me just downloading it a thousand times just to fuck with you, Sam.
0: And I wrote I both know, of those reviews. I know that you didn't.
2: Prove me wrong, people.
0: I know that you didn't because I know the stats and we don't get thousands of downloads of millions, each Millions.
2: Hundreds of millions.
0: No, no, no. you Are you kidding me? It's like two. <laughs> two people cody well, and someone else uh, i download at least one yeah ha- what to- do you
2: need to download them you have them
0: well no because i want i download to make sure that the feed's working okay okay whatever that that's actually what, a- whatever excuses yeah so there's our two people okay so let's go to the reviews here someone decided to leave a review under the name combinations and permutations good job dipshit
2: uh, they must have been talking about Sam.
0: You're still muted. I'm going to talk as loud as I can. Uh, Well, the thing is, is that this now makes it look like I reviewed the podcast myself, which I swear that I didn't. And if I did, I would have left more than a five-star rating and a really an awesome podcast as a review. I may have uh, left something much closer to Andre F., uh, who... I have to read out this whole review because it's one of my favorite things ever. The other reviewer deems this podcast awesome. Others might call it legendary. French tweens might refer to it as super cool. I'm afraid this is not so. Most interestingly, he and the hypotheticals both make the same mistake. They all presume a little too boldly to understand the limitations of the human mind. For you see, because you are humans, you cannot imagine that which is beyond your imagination. You're completely ignorant to the thoughts your consciousness is incapable of thinking. Your language has evolved to describe gossip and threaten violence. Why would it be good at this? Even your mathematics are simple extensions of those shared embodied metaphors you gather through your senses' interactions with their environment. To think that such a young race might have a word that can describe the greatness that is this show is simply laughable. I want to thank you for that. Because... I am not
2: getting in on this clap, just so you know. And you talk uh, about me being loud
0: <laughs> I, away from the mic. Notice no, that? no, we no, 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 from- no, no, no. It was it was loud. No, it wasn't. I I, I have the headphones on. I'm the one who knows. Uh, and I want to thank I want to thank Andrea who reviewed this in like February uh, because that's great. One because I'm pretty sure that you implied that you're an alien at one point. I could see that. It, to your human minds, implying that he does not himself have a human mind, and then he refers to us as a young race. So, if you are an alien, I would love for you to come visit us. Uh, That'd be pretty and sweet. let us know about your alien mathematics. That would be awesome. And also, just thank you. And now that you've seen how much I'm more than willing to either berate a really good reviewer or give kudos to a really good review. Uh, Make sure that you go to iTunes, go to the iTunes store, type in combinations and permutations. Leave us a review, please. It's really not that hard. And if you leave us the name of your favorite combinations and permutations guest, I'll make sure that that person is the one who talks about your review on the show. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? Don't leave
2: any about Sam.
0: If you don't leave a
2: name, I'm reading them. (laughs) Leave a name so that Sam doesn't get anyone. I, I I would be extremely happy if Sam was no one's favorite. You know, or I would
0: be not the least bit surprised, or, or
1: if you don't have a favorite, pick the one that you you know pity the most, like the guy who gets laughed at all the time and is uh generally hated by his own family, me or Chris, okay, <laughs> you should pity Chris
0: as far as being on the show, you're everyone's favorite, okay, yeah, and my like, family oh,
1: doesn't actually hate me, so there's that
0: yeah, uh, what are you going oh, on about? But I do want to point out that on Math Maths, I am having another kind of uh, outreach thing there, uh, which I want to open up to all combinations of permutations listeners. I've asked everyone who listens to any of my shows to please send me an email to samuel at acmescience.com with the subject line I listen and I hate you. Oh, man. Nobody. No, nothing else in the email. Just send that to me so I know that you're listening to the show.
1: Please, please do. <laughs> okay, so now being that I listen to the show, should I
0: send? Yes, it? Yes, yes, you I
2: absolutely don't. should, Cody. Okay. I don't listen to it, but I'm still going to send one. <laughs> all right, all right.
0: Okay, so now that we've burnt about 14 minutes. Well, if you kept your
2: shirt on, it would have been less. Oh yeah, but that was such a good
0: feeling. No, it was. horrible. And I saw your erection. I know you liked it. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm gonna> pew. <puke. laughs> Okay, uh, let's get us to the actual topic of today's show, shall we? Yes. Okay. Please. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about a mathematician. Okay. Who was only alive during the 20th century? Did groundbreaking work in set theory. Helped formalize quantum mechanics. Well, oh, there he goes I. Uh, Did a lot of uh, very important game theory work. Did hydrodynamics of explosions. That's pretty badass. And there could have been no atomic bomb without him. Oh, and he was also the father of the modern digital computer. And cellular automata. Who am I talking about? Um... Well, father
1: of the modern computer, Alan Turing?
0: We've already done an Alan Turing. That's that's what I was thinking. No, no, he's father of the modern computer. Mm -hmm. I'm talking father of the modern digital computer. Oh,
1: okay, okay.
0: He also, very much like Alan Turing, had an entire class of machines named after him. And the reason I phrased it exactly like that, using the word class, is uh, due to something else we'll get into in a bit. If you guys ever figure out who I'm talking about, um, oh, uh, oh no, no, I want to save that for later.
1: Wow, I feel I feel like I should know this. I feel like this is gonna be one of the things that i I will regret not knowing, yeah, being definitely. able to say it's probably someone we do know. We just uh, yeah.
0: too stupid to put the he has a uh German. He uses the German form of his uh, last name, which is an aristocratic title, uh, and the initials of the uh of his. Name are J V N. Of course,
2: exactly what I was thinking. Jean von Neumann. Yes, of course. John von
1: Neumann, of course. Why not? <laughs> of course, because everybody who knows J V N, Jean von Neumann. Yeah. I should have known that one.
2: Yeah, I had a feeling with that as soon as you said game theory, it was either. Why, why didn't it? was you either it him? would either be Nash or von Neumann, and then he went. Why didn't you say ba- his
0: name? I don't know. I don't fucking remember these <laughs> things. He's the only one who could have possibly, Of the two people you were thinking, he's the only <laughs> well, one... did anything with computers, yeah. Well, and would have been allowed to work uh, at Los Almos. Very true,
2: because uh, as we all know, Nash went a little bit crazy. <laughs> and was... <laughs>
0: thought the FBI was after him. <laughs> and so, thanks yeah. to the
1: movie The Beautiful Mind, all, Russell of my, all of my non-mathematician friends think that I am somehow going to end up like that. Because It's very he true. Was I was told
2: today chair. that I, we're going to all be crazy by 30. Yeah. Now, I think it'd at least be 35, but
0: give, me, give, you know, give us some credit uh, here. I'll be 35. Cody will be 40. You're gone at 30, buddy. No. You are a very angry person. It has nothing to do with, the,
2: with your mental state, as in craziness. <laughs> Uh, people who have
0: a high-stress lifestyle. I would not say my life is highly stressed. I would. I'm quite relaxed, you actually, seem, all the time. You seem to suffer from high stress quite often. But I'm not stressed. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Because who the fuck cares? Because we have this really awesome guy to talk about. And and he really is. Like, von Neumann is actually really interesting. He uh, is original name was uh, Janos, uh, Neumann Janos Lajos, uh, born in Budapest.
2: I prefer the current JVN.
0: Yeah, JVN. You know, kind of like JCVD. uh, Yes. But more awesome. Uh, And and he was a child prodigy. Uh, He was known for languages, memorization, and mathematics. So, of course, I'm going to announce this uh, because it's been a while since I've actually said this. Going from the Wikipedia article... uh, (laughs) Uh he uh actually by the age of six could exchange jokes in classical Greek, <laughs> memorize telephone directories, and was a mental calculator uh well beyond the capabilities of anyone in this room.
1: This is gonna be another one of those episodes where I feel horrible, don't it, isn't it? Oh yeah. Why would <laughs> yeah. you feel
0: horrible, Cody?
1: Because I can't do any of that stuff. And oh I yeah, want, I, I don't feel
2: horrible to, about too. It. I have limitations. Yeah. I'm not a child prodigy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, he, he went to class classes with other people at, uh, at his grade level, but his father, uh, hired private tutors. And at the age of 15, uh, he was given to Gabor Zedgo, uh, a Hungarian mathematician, uh, mathematical physicist. uh, but at the age of 15 uh, von neumann uh, went to study under him and apparently when uh, gabor first met von neumann he was moved to tears by his mathematical talent that's that's wow.
2: i don't think I, I don't think i could notice
0: like if i ever had a student i've moved students to tears no I, yeah uh, that's not no, hard but students having them move- al- almost moved me to tears but not through their prodigious abilities. Yeah, I don't think I can even imagine a student,
2: well, any of well, my students. Uh, well, no offense. What,
0: what, that,
1: if, what if what if this happened? A fifteen-year-old walks up to you, all right,
0: and all hands of a sudden me the proof of the Riemann, I'll be moved to tears, and i may well, cash right, in my fucking well, check. Well, I'm gonna knock him out. You
1: know, Paul Einstein. Well, I, I may I may be moved close to tears <laughs> if he were to. Steel. If you were to just whip out the integral of zero to infinity of natural log of x over one plus x squared <laughs> dx and, you know, using... I don't
0: even know what that is. That's yeah, you do simple
2: calculation in- and you're done. That's one of those.
1: Integration in the complex plane, simple calculation. It's one of the ones you do simple
2: calculations that requires you to know another complex
1: integral to do it. But, uh, yeah, if I, might, I might be like, it's so beautiful.
0: No, because the I've professor like- skipped over this. <laughs>
1: Very true.
2: I don't think I could be moved quite moved. I mean, it would have to be something pretty amazing to move me to tears. I don't know.
0: Okay. Uh, well, considering that this was at the age of fifteen, apparently. I mean, uh, this might be most an fifteen year olds. i like, shut
2: up, kids, sit down.
0: At the age of twenty two, uh, he graduated with his PhD. It's oh, impressive. In uh, math- mathematics with minors in experimental physics and chemistry. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, apparently, I've been wasting my time. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and at the same time, uh, he... And, and this, by the way, was, was at a university in Budapest. Uh, he also managed to simultaneously earn a diploma... In chemical inter- uh, engineering in ETH Zurich in Switzerland. While, atta- while attending in Budapest. <laughs> he, was, he got his PhD in Budapest while simultaneously getting a diploma in chemical engineering. I would just love to know how that
2: worked. He must have had, he must have had a wormhole generator <laughs> to be able to attend both
0: at the same time. Uh, yeah, and so by the age of 25, he had published 10 major papers. Major papers. We're not talking about just, like, papers. I've written ten papers in my life. Uh, ten
1: major No, no, I know. I'm, that's what I'm
2: saying. I wrote ten papers. I, that's I, it. <laughs> just ten papers. I've,
1: I've been doing that under various aliases for a while. <laughs> Wiles. Um, <laughs> oh you know, just for example, <laughs> is one of my many aliases. Um, what? Or ali-i? Is it aliases or ali-i? Aliases. Aliases, man. Um... Uh, let's see here Uh, I mean you could
0: (laughs) could. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay and so at the let's see in 1930 so uh, Neumann was born in 1903 so 1930 he's 27 years old his father passed away the year before and so his uh, his mother and then his two brothers uh, uh, emigrated to the United States in 1930 uh, and he was then, uh, by 1933, one of the first four people to be, uh, to be selected to be faculty at the Institute of Advanced Studies in Princeton, starting in 1933. He was 30 years old. Oh, my gosh. And he was the mathematics <laughs> professor at IAS. Wow. Oh, uh, joined by Kurt Gödel and Albert Einstein.
2: Wow, I mean, I just feel like in insig- I feel totally insignificant. Oh, fucking Neumann. Uh, I'm sorry, everyone, that I can't be as awesome as
0: these people that we talk about. But well, there's just some of them where, like Euler, they're... Euler didn't make me feel bad like, when when we spoke about Euler because. I mean, he. I mean, he advanced I mean, faster than we did. But he had, he grew up at a time where it's possible to know all of mathematics. Yeah. yeah.
2: And but for uh, you know for us, there's so much more mathematics to know now.
0: Yeah, and also you know it was it was common to earn your PhD early at that time period. Yeah. Like you know back not not in 19 you know in the you know 1920s, 1920s. it wasn't common to earn at 22, but I mean early 1800s you know it it was because you didn't have the same schooling structure right right uh but yeah. but von Neumann's a bit of a bit of a different story okay and so and so now he's at IAS uh and as i said he later went to work in the manhattan project uh he was one of the creators of one of the first digital computers uh and various other things so let's actually start talking now about the work that von Neumann did, because right, right. we're up to the part where he's now an established professional, so we should probably talk about his work.
1: Um, would he have been the one that solved the implosion problem for the? Uh, well, uh, we need. Nuclear, we're going to start. We're going to
0: start uh, no? in a uh, you know historical linear progression. Okay. progression, because oddly enough, he actually, at least in the beginning, he was linear. He went non-linear at, at some point, but in the beginning, he was actually very interested in set theory, like that was his thing. Uh, he was coming up after the Hilbert program mm-hmm. uh, had been had been established after uh, the Russell and Whitehead projects, and around the right time that uh, Zermelo and Frankel had done their axioms. Uh,
1: Does von Neumann have a set of axioms named after him? <laughs>
2: It's my dream <laughs> to have axioms named after I, me. I,
1: I, I think he did. I, I can't remember correctly. Von Neumann, I mean, the name does occur an awful lot. I mean, so much that I thought that it might be actually different people. But turns
0: out that now it's likely the same person now that I know all this. <laughs> okay. And so um, he actually, uh, Von Neumann, uh, in his doctoral thesis in 1925, Oh, man. Yeah, this this is doctoral uh his doctoral thesis. Uh which makes mine's going to suck ass compared to this. Uh obviously. He uh he introduced uh the axiom of foundation. Like I said. <laughs> wow. It's going gonna, gonna, gonna to fail
2: miserably compared to that. How do you how oh, do you oh, that, that? that's only one of two ideas. Oh, one. He, he, he actually did two dissertations.
0: That's no, no, it. no. Both in his, just one dissertation. He just put two ideas in there.
2: Oh, so he did two and then just made a giant one. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, does it, do either think you know what the axiom of foundation, also known as the axiom of regularity, is? Uh, used to, very familiar. used to, but no, I do not anymore. Okay, it's every non-empty set A contains an element B. Uh, every non-empty set A contains an element B, <coughs> which is disjoint from A. Uh, hmm? What? Wait, what? Wait, okay, one? for all that doesn't make sense. Okay, let me read the first-order logic version of this, please. Huh? Uh, Because that was the prose version on Wikipedia, which I desperately want someone uh, who listens to this to please go edit right now. Uh, Okay, so for all a, there exists a b where b is an element of a, such which implies that there exists a b where b is an element of a, and there does not exist a c such that c is an element of a and c. Is an element of B. This is essentially saying no set is an element of itself. That's oh, okay. essentially what it okay. guarantees. Okay. So that, that so when so when you, you actually rocks. when you actually like analyze what that's saying. Oh, okay, is, okay, I see
2: what it means. Yeah, that's you, because we forget we're we dealing know with that, set theory.
0: Right. B is an element of A does not mean B is not a set of sets. Right. So everything's a set of sets, and so B is some set of sets. In A, and so... Yeah, it makes, it makes sense that it can't be a set of itself. I, I mean, yeah. containing it. I mean,
2: well, an element of itself. That would, that would make no sense.
0: Uh, and this is a very important axiom because this axiom uh, gets rid of the Russell paradox. Right, right. Uh, and also there's another uh, direct result from this. There is no infinite sequence, A-N, such that A-I plus one is an element of A-I for all I. Okay. Same kind of thing, uh, but von Neumann introduced that uh, in his doctoral dissertation. This is one of the uh, axioms of the current version of the Zermelo-Frankel with Choice axiomatic system. Uh, but he also introduced uh, a very important uh, thing called the class. Mm. Which is why I used the word class earlier. Uh, it, a class is a very wonderful thing. Uh, it defines a class, uh, a set is a class which belongs to other classes, while a proper class is defined as a class which does not belong to other classes. So this allows a class, you know, can be uh, everything, whereas a set can't because of the obvious problem of containing itself if it contained everything. Uh, which, uh, which, you know, we don't, we don't really want. That, that would not be a good thing as far as uh, mathematics. It, and so a clash is essentially a collection of sets. Uh, and this is from the Wikipedia article on class for set theory, which can unambiguously... which can be unambiguously defined... Be a property that all of its members share.
2: Yeah, it sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. We usually, it's how we usually think of classes.
0: <clears throat>
2: Most commonly, are equivalence classes, which yeah all share the property that they're equivalent or they relate yeah. to some binary which relation. Which are
0: which are kind of nice because uh, that can actually contain itself. Right. Right. Uh, which is why you need class, especially after you have the axiom of foundation. And so and so that that was von Neumann's doctoral dissertation. Wow uh two things that are very, very important to this day in set theory, and he continued to work in set theory. He was actually working the same as mo- a lot of other people at that time who were working off the Hilbert program to completely axiomatize set theory. Now what happened with that
1: um, didn't girdle mess that up yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah you can't have a complete you can't have a complete
1: yeah a uh,
2: set of axioms
1: now people didn't believe girdle. Uh,
2: they didn't. They I don't see why not. It seems very, very straightforward and obvious. I mean, based yeah, on your rules, you can only do so much.
0: Because we were taught that it that it is true. These are people working yeah. off the Hilbert program who desperately needed to completely axiomatize mathematics. Yeah, they probably had uh,
2: real. They probably never thought of it as, oh, what if we can't?
0: Yeah, yeah I, uh, I, that, I
2: guess it's a different time of thinking where like nothing is
0: unprovable. This, this was announced at the Mathematical Congress of. Uh, Koenigsberg. Oh uh, uh, it's same place as the bridges. Uh love, love me in, some bridges in 1930. and Now von Neumann was there. Uh and he actually completely believed him because within less than a month, he was able to take the original paper uh and find a consequence, namely that usual axiomatic systems are unable to demonstrate their own consistency. Which was, that makes sense. <laughs> which was not something that uh, Gertle actually had put in uh, his first theorem. He originally just thought that that part was kind of curious. Gertle uh, did actually prove it himself. That's why it's, that's known as se- Gertle's second theorem. But von Neumann, within a month, was able to derive it from the first theorem. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, I've been lazy. well he was i
0: mean he was known as an instantaneous thinker and and we all have to agree that that's not something that's actually common in mathematics
2: Mm -mm. not at all yeah see see how long it took me to think about that for for example
0: (laughs) for example just now yeah okay you you guys aren't gonna keep talking by any chance well i
2: I just feel like such a. I feel like a deadbeat compared yeah. to this. I mean, <laughs> you know, axiom... <laughs> oh, I just derived it. Something that Gertl proved as well. Yeah, yeah. Von <laughs> oh, no- Von, in a month. Von
1: Neumann is the guy driving a Lamborghini down the road. We're Actually, sit- very we're-
0: funnily, we're going to come to a story about his driving, and we're oh sitting. At, we're sitting at the bus stop.
2: Or I'm, or Cody's sitting on the bus, and I'm left at the bus stop. <laughs> Jackass.
0: Okay, uh, and so then after that, after. After he knew that there was nothing else for him to really do in set three, he just decided, you know what? I'm going to move on. I finished with this. I'm done. And, at, and at this everything. point, remember, one of the minors of his PhD was in uh, physics. And this is about the time that Heisenberg and Schrodinger are coming up with quantum mechanics. Playing with their damn cats. And, uh, and the the thing about them is that, I mean, they're strong mathematically. They have to be to be physicists, but they're not well, formalizing things. Right. Yeah. Okay, we can make fun of physics all we want, but physicists have to be stronger than your your average bear when it comes to. (laughs) Yeah, and we're talking about (laughs) actual bears. (laughs) They only have to know a little bit more
1: mathematics than a bear
0: knows, and you can be a physicist. Which is pretty
2: impressive because, as we all know, bears are the kings of the mathematical
1: kingdom. Unlike horses. Oh, And and I want to point out
0: that, that, remember, he was born in 1903, and uh, he completed his PhD, so he completed his dissertation at 22, so 1925. No, I actually mess up the timeline a little bit because he didn't stop working on set theory until 1930. But uh, at, in uh, 1926, he was the one who realized that a quantum system could be considered as a point in Hilbert space, oh, analogous to six in dimension, where n is the number of particles, three general coordinate, and three canonical momentum. That was von Neumann. Yeah. Uh, and then he set off to axiomatize quantum mechanics.
2: How'd that go? Uh,
0: Well, he's also the one who showed that things could be represented as linear operators in these uh, spaces. Uh, and therefore, the physics of quantum mechanics was reduced to the mathematics uh, mathematics of linear Hermitian operators.
1: <laughs> yeah, wow, that's, uh, I mean... <laughs>
2: There's a lot of big steps there, and yeah. he just... He completed, a, like, a, <laughs> I like to think of it as, like, a, a giant, he's like a bridge between, like, the, like think about the Grand Canyon, he just, like, makes a bridge right over it, yep. between uh, math and quantum mechanics, and that's a huge, it's a huge gap there.
0: Oh, uh, and he also demonstrated a theorem uh, which uh, quant- showed quantum mechanics could not possibly be derived... By statistical approximations from a deterministic type of equation. That must have disappointed some people, right? Uh, like the statistics. Well, it, there turned out... Well, no, I mean, this, this did not... Well, it may have disappointed some people, but think about it. This shows that quantum mechanics is non-deterministic, which means that there's free will, essentially. Yeah. Wait, wait, we wait. Know the... So
1: von Neumann gave me free will.
0: Uh, well, it turned out <laughs> that uh, there was a conceptual error uh, in his theorem. But uh, it was actually uh, that, the work of that theorem uh, that John Stuart Bell uh, used to set up Bell's Theorem. Ah. <laughs> Dude, by chance, you've done more physics than Brandon and I. Do you know what Bell's Theorem is? Not right off the top of my head. Not at all? Uh, um,
1: I know Pell equations, but that's not Bell. Right there. Oh, Bell. Bell.
0: Okay, Bell's theorem. It's a no-go theorem. You know what no-go theorem is? Um, sounds pretty I, awesome. I, I have no, no idea. Phys- it, it states no physical theory of local hidden variables can ever reproduce all the predictions of quantum mechanics. So, no deterministic functions. <laughs>
2: okay. No deterministic
1: functions.
0: Okay, and so uh, now let's go to economics and game theory. Because, why not? (laughs) Because we're done with physics. Uh, Not not quite. We actually come Uh, back to uh, physics. No, explosives. Okay. (laughs) Okay, uh, so in 1928, still before the Gödel-Theorem thing, von Neumann makes his first big economic game theory... Result three years after his PhD, yes. <laughs> Remember, he's still axiomatizing uh quantum mechanics at this point, just, too. Uh, just on the side, yeah. No, he's busy doing yeah. this stuff, uh, and and that, uh, that that big first thing was the minimax theorem. Oh, wow, yeah, um, okay.
1: Brandon, you know what the minimax
0: theorem um, is. Um, I,
2: I can't recall it. The definition of it. I know of it, yes. Uh, I I recall it a lot. This was the
0: first Minimax Theorem. Uh, This is for uh, two-person perfect information games. Uh, But the Minimax Theorem states, for every two-person zero-sum game with finite strategies, Uh there exists a value V and a mixed strategy for each player such that given player's two two strategy, the best payoff possible for player one is V, and, or, and, or, given player one's strategy, the best payoff possible for player two is negative V.
2: Interesting.
0: Uh, this is essentially the first major result in, uh, you know, kind of formalizing game theory. And there has been some game theory up to this point, but this is one of the, uh, one of the big ones. It's one of the, you know, first ones that shows that there is sort of an equilibrium. Uh... And, and he continued working on game theory uh, He had He wrote the 19 Well, he wrote with Oscar Morgenstern uh, The 1994 Or 1994 1944 uh, book the, Theories, the Theory of Games and Economic Behavior uh, Which was uh, Still is actually to this day One of the go-to economic uh, game theory books so- Ever written Oh, and public interest so huge about the work that he was doing in this. Uh he garnered a front page New York Times article out of it. Cody, How um, old are you? I'm I'm 24. Okay, cuz he's about 25 when he does this. <laughs> no, to, no, 1944 was a bit later. Oh no, no no, which oh, but, one.
2: No, the, the oh, Minimax. Oh, Minimax, yeah, 28 was, you said, right? Yeah, he 28. Was 25. Should be, should be
0: 25. He was old. my age. I've
1: I've got I've got about Oh, six. yeah, Sam, there you go. He's uh I've got about 6
0: months to uh <laughs> Don't forget, he's already made two foundational uh, contributions to set theory. He's already showed that uh, quantum mechanics is a Hilbert space. I'd be lucky if i do anything
2: that even approaches one of the... Oh, I'm never going to. Yeah, that's what I said. I'd be lucky if I ever did.
0: Oh, uh, also in uh, 1937... Uh, he came up with a solution that was first of a problem first described by Leon Walras, uh, which was the existence of situations of equilibrium and mathematical models of market development based on supply and demand. Uh, and really? Yeah. Uh, using uh, a fixed point theorem a derived from L.E.J. <coughs> Brower. Uh, Brower's fixed point theorem. Yeah. He uh, came up with a general equilibria. That's... Uh, and I want to point out that this is essentially the same sort of thing that uh, won, you know, Nash, Arrow, and Debreu their uh, Economics Nobel Prizes, wow. which is something that's pointed out in this Wikipedia article. But that was something that I could come up with on my own. I just didn't know DeBrow's name. I knew about Arrow and Nash, though, mm-hmm. who both got economic uh, ones Nobels. for doing Nobels for doing Equilibria of Economic Models.
2: So you need to do if you want to get an economics nobel just look at equilibria
1: yeah you can't do anything to get a math nobel
2: yeah that's because it doesn't
1: exist i
0: know okay jerks
2: (laughs) it's okay yeah
0: okay so now now we're on to what we've been wanting to talk about this whole time
2: booms yay thank god can we blow up the cat the Schrodinger's cat? Yeah.
1: We won't know if it's blown it up. Or it not. won't be dead until we look at it. It's very true. We know. Okay.
0: So But you go blind if you look at the explosion. So in the late 30s, uh he was he was starting to do a lot of applied mathematics. And apparently he decided that the applied mathematics he wanted to develop a particular interest and expertise in was the mathematics of explosions. I mean, can you blame him? I mean, no, not at all. But I mean this is something that is that is very uh like very hard to deal with mathematically. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it is, I mean, one they're of the pretty things, erratic, uh, he actually developed with, uh, Richtmeier, uh, something called artificial viscosity, uh, which is an, uh, algorithm, uh, that allowed, uh, a lot of, a lot more, uh, computation to be done with, uh, shock waves, because shock waves are very hard to, uh, model mathematically, because they're mm-hmm. discontinuities. Yep. And up until that point, uh, it, computations tended to fail near very bad discontinuities. And the stronger the shockwave, the worse the discontin- discontinuity was. And as a matter of fact, it turns out that uh, this algorithm uh, was used in uh, rocketry theory. Uh, there's actually a decent chance we never would have gotten to the moon without von Neumann and his work with artificial viscosity. Those Ruskies would have beaten us. Uh, Moon no, be red. because they oh, wait, no, wait. had to they, use his theory, saying, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, he was a mathematician. He published his work. Uh, and so uh, all of this meant that he was doing a lot of work with the Navy, it turns out. Um, and and eventually he was uh, brought in to work with the uh, Los Alamos team. Uh, and... Let's see various things. Okay, so uh, what was the thing you were gonna ask if he did? Uh, It was the implosion problem for. Yes, uh, that was him. Now you can explode it. That was explode it. Explain it. Wow. (laughs) Um,
1: That was, and I'm I'm sort of trying to recall here because the idea to initiate a nuclear fusion chain reaction, the idea was to, uh, you know, shoot essentially. Oh, Oh
0: no, never mind. He did not. Uh he did not actually originate the concept, but he was the most persi- one of the most persistent uh uh proponents of it. Oh, okay. Wow, honestly they might as well just go re- read the fucking Wikipedia article for this. Uh but no it, but he was the one who ended up pushing it on. Mm-hmm. Uh oh uh Oh, and it, it, it turns out that yes, he also was one of the people who helped fix the problem. Right. Okay, go ahead.
1: Well, anyway, so the, the idea was you had the spherical shell, and you needed to, to shoot all essentially have an explosion that got all of this uh, neutron rich material into the shell in like a uniform fashion and this is a, an insanely hard thing to do, and it requires some very uh, hefty uh, calculations. And, Uniform, uh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, and particularly doing this computationally was essential because there wasn't that much you know weapons-grade uranium, if you will, at the time, so this isn't the sort of thing that you Plutonium. Can like, uh, plutonium, thank you. Um, th- this really isn't the sort of thing that you can experimentally do you know, we can't oh well experiment with it until you get it. No, you need to be able to do this computationally and uh, very precisely. And so that was one of the, the larger problems that they faced.
0: Oh um, uh yeah, he was the one who created the explosive lens. Oh yeah. Explosive seeing, lens. Uh, it was what was used to compress the
1: plutonium. Yep. Ah, okay, okay. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, that sounded like something he
0: would do. Okay, and so apparently uh in a visit in September nineteen forty four uh, he just uh, kind of decided that he was going to show, oh, if we don't explode it on the ground, the explosion will do a lot more damage. <laughs> <laughs> that was him, too. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, explosive shockwave reflection uh, was better if the angle of incidence was between 90 degrees and some limiting angle. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was the one who uh, calculated exactly how far above Hiroshima and Nagasaki... Uh, they should explode it. Oh, also, he was on the committee that helped pick Hiroshima and Nagasaki. He originally wanted to explode Kyoto. Oh, man, that was... The cultural hub. Uh, but it turns out... Uh, He's said the, the Secretary of War at the time, Henry Stimson, uh, he did vetoed that. Uh, oh, also, he was completely in favor. As a matter of fact, he was a big proponent... Of exploding a nuclear bomb in Russia before they developed their own, man, this guy's a go getter <laughs> he was a bit of a hawk as a matter of fact uh, i 'm going to take my microphone with me because I need to get this on the other computer uh, i 'm going to read a quote about his deathbed. Now if only I had to bomb those now he died at uh, Walter Reed hospital, so the you know the military hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he died at age fifty-three, sadly, in nineteen fifty-seven. Uh, and because he'd worked at Los Alamos, that's why he had to die there. Because they were worried because he had either ba- bone or pancreatic cancer. They weren't. The sounds pyrocer- about right
2: when you're dealing with nuclear bombs.
0: Yeah, and he was at the first test. Yeah. So I uh, mean, it, and and so he uh, he was he was there, and and they didn't want you know him leaking any secrets, but uh, also he had become very central uh, to. nuclear policy he was also on the nuclear energy uh commission and uh, he helped develop some of the very important uh work that allowed people to uh do nuclear energy like create a nuclear power plant (laughs) oh yeah that was also something that you know something in his legacy uh, and so here's, here's a quote Gathered around his bedside And attentive to his last words of advice and wisdom Were the Secretary of Defense And his deputies The Secretary of the Army, Navy, and Air Force And all military chiefs of staff oh my gosh And this was This was an admiral <laughs> Who was writing About his deathbed Man.
2: I don't think you could I don't think my death could be nearly as awesome as that That's, that's ridiculous. Well, you know, I'm lucky if my parents come to my, (laughs) because I ain't going to, I'm not going to live with them, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm beginning to think that maybe we could characterize good ideas by what Von Neumann thought. Um, And so, I mean, it sounds like he thought preemptive strikes were a good idea. Now, I'm not generally, you know, a big preemptive strike guy, but if, if Von Neumann thought
0: preemptive strikes were a good idea, maybe I need to change my thinking. Oh, also, along with Edward Teller, he uh, developed a completely new type. Or, no, no, uh, it was with uh, Fuchs, uh, Klaus Fuchs. He developed a completely new type of nuclear bomb that apparently was even stronger. Of course, because, I mean,
2: Uh, if you're going to make a giant-ass bomb that blows shit up, more shit up, the best way to do that is to make a bigger bomb just in case the other people get your bomb.
0: That's right. Uh, yeah, uh, of course. And uh, to blow more shit up. Oh, oh. And, okay, <laughs> so far, uh, so we have one one last thing to talk <clears throat> about from the Wikipedia article here. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, computer science. Did he make the first exploding nuclear computer?
2: Because <laughs> that would be pretty epic.
0: Uh, well, for Los Alamos, he and Stanislaw Ulam, the two most famous mathematicians who worked on uh, the Manhattan Project, uh, developed digital computers for making hydrodynamic computations gotta do what you gotta oh do. uh he also contributed a lot to the development of the monte carlo method uh developed one of the first <laughs> methods of making pseudo random numbers all those critici- i mean it was a crude method but he said it was really fast and that's actually what he needed more at that point i i believe he then later created a much stronger oh he made some hardware random number generators uh his al- oh, it was algorithm for simulating a fair coin with a bias coin is used uh, for hardware random number generators. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, he wrote a first draft of the report on the EDVAC, one of the first digital computers. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, yeah, he also developed cellular automata. Is there anything this guy hasn't done? Uh, cellular automata is, of course, uh, you know where you have certain rules. We talked about it a lot in the game of life episode, mm-hmm. uh, and cellular automata are very interesting because you start with a set of rules and a grid, and the set of rules says how the grids interact depending on their, you know, this squares in the grid interact depending on whether they're filled or not. You know, on the you know game of life, if there's you know, I can't remember, but Sam, you yeah. could have a uh, a two-three rule. Uh, if there's fewer than two uh, surrounding an empty thing, it doesn't become filled. If there's more than three, it does. And and that would just be cellular automata. And this is, of course, what Stephen Wolfram, uh, much later on, developed into what he calls a new kind of science. Which, by the way, that is now available as a book on the iPad with completely zoomable uh, graphics. This is a 1,200-page book that had to miniaturize all of the graphics and it all is cellular automata because it's a 1200 page book. Can't put a bunch of things. Uh, and you can zoom in now very close without losing any graphical things. Uh, it's 10 bucks on the iPad right now. It's fucking awesome. I bought it first day that it was out. It's incredible. Oh, and also uh, dynamically links the 300 pages of notes, uh, to whatever page you're on. You can click on the notes thing. It'll bring you right to that page's notes. It's really amazing. Like this is an incredibly well done app. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, he also apparently, according to Donald Knuth, uh, you know, very, I mean, essentially the yogi of computer algorithms, according to him, uh, Von Neumann also, uh, created the merge sort algorithm. Merge sort? Merge sort is one of the faster sorting algorithms. Uh, I'm going to bring up its actual order. Uh, here in a second but it's recursively defined split it in half and then you sort each half and then you and merge split, them together I mean, but you split all of those oh okay. until you're down to two elements and then you sort those and it puts it together uh it's a divide and conquer and it's in login yeah that, that. okay which for sorting algorithm really
1: fucking what is, good what does bubble sort run What's it's what's its uh run time? What's well, bubble sort. Uh, bubble sort. You gotta is, remember. I don't know. My, all these uh, bubble algorithms. sort is you. You have it set up in an array. Uh, generally, it's a it's a uh, like a chain. Uh-huh. You look at two elements. If one's bigger, you put it. You switch them. If the ones, uh, if the first one's bigger, you don't switch them. If the first one's smaller, you switch them. And then you go through the all the entire array, and you end up having to do that a bunch of times.
0: Bubble sort's like long. the worst one. It has it seems very uh, long. In squared. It's the simplest one
1: to code. Wow. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it it's, has so n-squared. So As a matter of fact, it is probably the worst <laughs> uh, n-squared one there is. Even insertion sort runs quicker than bubble sort. Uh, and I believe in login is actually the fastest. Uh, so in 1945, <laughs> the fastest sorting algorithm.
1: It's, it's been 60 years and we haven't been able to improve it. Right? Yeah, exactly. You, I think
2: that uh, not without not without quantum computing. No, there's quantum algorithms, but I mean,
0: we can't use them. Uh, no, no, it, it, that's that's kind of the <clears> thing. Uh, it can be shown uh, that I think it's in login. I'm pretty sure that the best one, like. That you could possibly have is in login. Uh, maybe it. No, that that makes sense to me. I, I don't
1: think you could do. I'm just trying to think of. I mean, you're sorting objects. No, so there. I mean, apparently,
0: it's... there is a sorting network that uses in login memory, but has login time. But that apparently requires all sorts of uh, all sorts of weird like hardware or something. Oh, okay.
2: Weird shit.
0: But yeah, Merge Sort. Merge Sort was von Neumann uh, because he wants to make us feel bad about our lives.
2: I think that was his his goal in life.
0: Mission accomplished. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about him personally. We've mentioned a few things. Uh, He ended up publishing 150 papers total, 60 in pure math, 20 in physics, 60 in applied math. Uh, And he was also... uh, I mean, he was just well known for being uh, a bit of a jokester and things like that uh, he would as often as twice a week uh host a party at his house uh he was very well known for being an incredibly good host even though he was not he could not remember people's names but he would kind of bow and get out of it he was well known for you know hosting incredible uh Incredible parties, as as I said, as often as Gatsby, <laughs> as, as often as twice a week, uh, and he was also known as being an absolutely terrible driver. Gatsby,
2: <laughs> I did, I'm just thinking about Gatsby here. Parties, terrible drivers, go to they go well together.
0: Yeah, just... <laughs> I've, I just I, I've actually never read that.
2: You've never read the Get Great Gatsby. I have neither read it. I, I've you don't know anything it. about oh.
0: I know a, ba- a bit about it. Well, this uh, chick
2: gets hit with a car, and that's where in like, and then when we watch the movie, like in high school, when we watch the movie of it. The chick gets hit by the car, and her leg falls off. <laughs> that's how bad it was. Like her leg just fell off, and we're like, really? <laughs> and Gatsby's just like a, a millionaire playboy who just like throws like huge parties a lot, and that's why I'm I'm, I'm seeing this von Neumann thing like, throws parties. Awesome parties, horrible driver. Okay, sounds
0: like Gatsby to me. Okay, and so apparently uh, he would drive uh, frequently while reading books. Bad Probably move. The Great Gatsby. He was bad reading. move, von Neumann. Uh, bad move. Been there, done that. Bad move. Uh, he was he was hired by Cuthbert Hurd at IBM, uh, and Hurd would just apparently quietly pay all of the driving tickets that he would get. Uh, and so this is this is a von Neumann quote. I was proceeding down the road. The (laughs) trees on the right were passing me in an orderly fashion at 60 miles per hour. Suddenly one of them stepped in my path. (laughs) And on that note, I can't think of anything else to really say about this amazing fucking guy. And he did all of this in, uh, was that 53 years, years. 53 years. I'm going uh, to go And I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of other very important things uh, that he developed that are not actually on the Wikipedia thing because they're way too technical. So remember, 150 papers. Uh, 53 dissertation at 22, including two things that are now in ZFC. Uh, I... Son of a bitch.
2: <laughs> Makes you want to, like, curl up in a ball and just sit in the corner and rock. Or cry. Yeah, yeah. I'm never going to accomplish anything. No,
0: we oh, to... uh, do, you, do you want to know uh, things that he's known for according to his Wikipedia article? Oh, please tell me more things he's known for. The von for. Neumann equation, game theory, von Neumann algebras, von Neumann architecture, von Neumann bicumutant theorem, von What's Neumann, Neumann cellular that? automata, von Neumann universal constructor, von Neumann entropy, von Neumann regular ring, von Neumann bernays Girdle set theory, von Neumann universe... Fuck. He has a universe? What? what? Von Neumann Conjecture, Von Neumann Inequality, Stone Von Neumann Theorem, Von Neumann Stability Analysis, Minimax Theorem, Von Neumann Extractor, Von Neumann Ergotic Theory, and the Direct Integral. Huh.
1: He has a universe. Uh, the Von Neumann Universe.
0: Uh, the Direct Integral is a generalization of the direct sum. Okay. Von Neumann Universe or the von Neumann hierarchy of sets, it's the class of well-founded sets. The class of well-founded sets is named after him. Hmm. (laughs) This guy is... It's the formalization of the sets in ZFC.
2: Wow, he just seems to have... I
0: I, I don't know what to say. This guy is pretty crazy. Yeah. Okay, well... Uh, for all of us who now love, and I, I, for one, want to go out and get his biography and actually read a bit more about him so I have actually, a better understanding of this I'm guy. I'm actually
2: going to probably get some Prozac because I'm depressed now, so, <laughs> you know. So, Thanks, Sam.
0: after this wonderful talk about the inimitable <clears throat> JVN, for Cody Palmer, Brandon Metz, I'm Samuel Hansen, and, well, we're never going to be as good as him. No. That is it for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. Uh, If you want to leave any feedback, feel free to email me at Samuel at AcmeScience.com or visit the blog at AcmeScience.com in order to find out more information about the subjects we talked about on today's show. Don't forget also to leave us an iTunes review. We'll mention your name on the air. And also just tell your friends. We really want to start getting a much larger audience for this show because... Well, you listen to it and you think we're great, or at least you think a couple of the people on here are great. So you really want to tell your friends and let them know that you like this and that they should also be listening. Uh, The music on today's episode is from SB12. We can find over at opsound.org, as is always the truth here on combinations and permutations. Also, we are a Creative Commons licensed podcast, Attribution share alike to be exact. So... You can take a snippet of this now quite ill, coldish sounding voice that I have currently and remix it as long as you just say that it's from this show. So, thanks a lot for listening, and I hope you like our next episode.